listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Hello, Katie. Hello, Jackie. <laughs> and welcome, everyone, to yes. the Inclusive AF podcast. I love that you're including everyone in your welcome since we are the Inclusive AF podcast. That makes yeah, a we, lot of sense. Well, before we just welcomed each other, it seems so rude. Right. And our guests, like right. we would do on everyone. Very exclusive. Now we're all in it, in it to win it. Um, so Miss Jackie, uh, it's Monday. It's freezing. Yes. And by freezing in Arizona, I mean 60 degrees. How freezing is it in Waco, Texas today? Well, um, my friend in Austin, they already had a pipe burst today. Oh and yeah their electricity is out so oh, let's just start there like there's already icicles forming on the garage like yeah, from freezing. yesterday to today it's yeah. it's freezing legitimately freezing legitimately yeah. freezing so much so that my husband actually went to the grocery store to get pot pies soup and chili <laughs> yeah <laughs> all the comfort stocking foods up. stocking up that's <laughs> don't smart. forget the cherry pie like we're yes. just you know yeah the important things all the important things um and i hope also some beer that you can just put out in the the ice because that's <laughs> like what they do back east right that's um, fun okay all right i'm gonna stop on the weather forecasting over here but um i think we're both gonna lose to our guests on when we talk about weather because i, I think they're gonna win yeah um so uh, Eli, I would love for you to introduce yourself and share a little bit about yourself with our guests. Well, hello, and thank you so much. I'm excited to be on the Inclusive AF podcast because that is pretty AF. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, a, a world that is inclusive AF is really, you know, it's really what we need. It's something that I've advocated for for, uh, you know, decades. I know I don't look it, but I am 58 years young. Uh, well, 57 and a half years young. I'll be 58 in June. Uh, but you know what they say? I knew you were younger than 58. <laughs> <laughs> 57 and a half. That's right. <laughs> but my name is Eli Rigatuso, and I am a queer, transmasculine, two-spirit of the Menominee Nation. And I introduced myself that way on purpose because every single one of those things means something important to me in an aspect of my life. Um, I have been an outspoken member of the LGBTQIA2S plus community um, for decades, many, many decades now. And more specifically, when I came out as transgender at the tender age of 50 in 2015, uh, was when I started to focus more on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging as it relates to transgender, non-binary, two-spirit, gender diverse, and gender expansive people. Because, you know, in this conversation that we have around diversity and equity, inclusion and belonging, we often find ourselves talking about black and brown folks which the brown doesn't always include indigenous. That's right. And we don't think about intersectionally how our different identities 
further marginalize us or further impact us in ways that folks who don't carry multi-marginalized pers- uh, identities have to face. And I think that's really important to think about, you know, like it's kind of interesting. You know, I will hear people within the LGBTQ community um, do this thing where they go, you know, LGBT, ABC, blah, 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 blah. And they like make this joke about how many letters there are. And I always say to that, I always say to these people, you know what? Every single one of those letters means something to someone. So why would you minimize it in that way? And I hope that one day it is actually all the letters in the alphabet because it should be. We That's should right. all be able to say, this is who I am fully and completely and wholly and be seen, honored, valued, and appreciated as such. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. It is, most of our listeners know it's a, of a personal nature to me of making sure that people are included. And you're right. So often, when I, when I first started in this work, they, they were just talking about Black people and women. Like, that's what they were looking at. Mm-hmm. And I've even seen self-proclaimed experts say, these are the only people that we're concerned about. Or I've been asked in the past, oh, the LGB part is okay, but can we leave out the T part? Or um, my oldest uh, identifies as non-binary and and is also like a supermodel within how they feel and how they present themselves depends on how they they are feeling and then discredit their own you know how they want to be referred to and it's frustrating and we need to make a place where we can be ourselves so that we can innovate so that we can help each other so that we know what to do so that we build things in the right places and in the right way yeah and you know this is where it's like we we you know you you hear people say a lot inviting people to the table well it's one thing to invite us invite us to the table you also have to close your mouths and open your ears so that you can hear what it is that we're asking you know and and so i started this little thing i call speaking of happy okay and i started speaking of happy in like 2008 2009 so like way before i even came out as trans because i wanted to put the word happy back into the word gay because it was like, look, I want to talk to you. I want to educate you. I want to help uplift knowledge and awareness around who we are, even around the initialism itself. You know, everybody calls it an acronym. It's not. If you look in the dictionary, an acronym is something that you actually pronounce, right? Right. So if you take the first letter of each word and you can actually pronounce it as something, P flag, right? that's an acronym and initialism is literally the first letter of each word that's just included within that and so when we when we say lgbtqia2s plus right it's an initialism because that's literally the first letter of each of those words lesbian gay bisexual transgender queer questioning like i'm a wealth of knowledge when it comes to those letters and i will talk all day long so i'm just gonna warn y'all gonna have to cut me off at the 45 (laughs) minutes right you might have to like where's the where's the hook to pull me off stage 
everyone who knows me knows I will talk. <laughs> so feel free to interject at any point. But the initial initialism has also gone through an interesting transition, right? You you will hear certain people say GLBT, and that's because at one point the gay mm -hmm. then was first, and then when things started to happen, like with the AIDS crisis, right, and the lesbians started to rally around their gay friends and say you need to help us right and when there were leaders who were kind of falling to the wayside because they were sick these lesbians were stepping in and, and advocating right and doing the hard work and so they were like nope we got to put the l first folks and so there was a switch in there right to kind of highlight some of that you will hear some folks say 2s lgbtqia plus right because 2s is for two spirit which is the indigenous aspect sometimes i say 2s first because i am sometimes i just leave it at the end but you'll hear people saying that and i'm actually not trying to claw for the front of the list doesn't necessarily matter what i want is everyone to understand those things and i didn't even understand how much my own community didn't understand all those letters until i came out as trans when I came out as trans, I had lesbians, gays, bisexual folks saying to me, but wait a minute, you're like the most feminine person I know. You're not a man. And I'm like, okay, there's some lack of knowledge and awareness here. That's right. Right. And so I'm going to take some time to educate you. You're like wrong about that. And you might want to check that out because, hey, I know you have kids and eventually they're going to grow up and they're in a lesbian household and they're going to turn around and say mom why were you this way about this because you're wrong right so why not get ahead of the curve <laughs> why not get ahead of your kids who are going to be coming home dropping some knowledge on you because you've been busy in the world and i understand we're all busy i have a phd in understanding transgender experience and what it is to be transgender non-binary gender diverse you know, when I first came out as trans, I did identify myself as someone who was born assigned female transitioning to male. However, that really didn't encompass everything about me. And as I started to think about it more, I started to peel back layers that I had already started to peel back in regard to my being native. I've always known that I was Native American. I've always known ever since I was little, my, I'm first generation born off the reservation. But here's the thing. I never knew what was home. Like we would go to the reservation mm. where my mom was born and raised for the first portion of her life before they came to Omaha, Nebraska. Um, but I didn't feel like I belonged there because they were saying, you don't know what it's like to grow up on the reservation. Well, of course I don't, because I don't I'm not being raised there. But then out here, you know, my mom wanted her children to go to a Catholic grade school. <laughs> well, during my years at the Catholic grade school, some of the things that were still happening were just as bad as what was happening at the boarding schools. Because guess what? Boarding schools didn't close until the late 70s. Like 1978 was when the last boarding school closed. 
the the horrors like if you have not taken the time to educate yourself about that please do because and that's the whole point of understanding right like you you don't understand where i'm coming from before you're making any generality or or you know assessment based on one part of my identity yeah um and it's important like you said to look intersectionally on what that identity means and i'm glad that you mentioned um what you said about how the g used to be like first mm-hmm. i never have thought about that and then at the same time was like oh of course that of course that was a thing right of course they ended up putting putting the g g first or but you have to think of what you're sharing with the when you're looking at initials is also the journey yeah there's a journey of understanding that needs to take place um we this weekend ironically i went to my friend's 50th birthday party and we used to be roommates in college Mm -hmm. and we were talking about so this was in the 90s in the early 90s we were talking about all of these things and of course you have those happy stories right and you're talking about those times but it was like do you remember when we used to be in act up do you remember when we used to go to all the clubs and then we were but we were only giving out condoms and not giving out education or knowledge like do you remember when we did that and we thought we were so cool yeah and it's like we had to take a minute and pause yeah and talk about what that was like and share it because sometimes as you get older it's easy to forget the journey that got you to 57 and a half years yes and then also looking at that same journey like when we then take the other aspect of this which was the women's movement right and and feminism and all of that there are a few uh good programs a good show some are like uh, uh more like films right stories about the feminist movement um one of them was and i can't remember the name of it and i apologize but it, it was it was from the lesbian perspective of the feminist movement and the ways in which it was like all of these well-meaning white women got together but when the lesbians and the black and brown and indigenous folks showed up they were like no 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 no, you can't and they were like oppressing or stopping them from advocating too loudly and so what ended up happening is was that division because those folks who were black brown and indigenous and also lesbian were like no we're going to go do our own thing because you're doing it wrong and i don't disagree but it's like at some point we all got to come back together right mm-hmm. all of these breakoff points um it's it's like what you're saying about certain folks who will say look come and advocate for the lgbtqia2s plus community but can you just stop at the b that's right (laughs) and it's like no i absolutely cannot because these things are not separate they all do go together and then folks who say i'm advocating for women but they don't think about trans women Mm -hmm. or when they say they're advocating for folks to have certain rights abortion rights right they don't include people with the equipment to be able to have bear children 
Or think about people who have the equipment that doesn't work quite right. Like all it's about is, is understanding the complete picture, not the simplified, uh, stripped down version of all these things, but the whole picture. And this is the problem, I think, with America today. I mean, it makes me so angry. Like I just found out that yesterday or last week or whatever, Utah like rushed a bill through an anti-trans bill, basically limiting the rights of parents to provide care for their transgender youth and then criminalizing doctors who are providing this kind of care. And they did it under the guise of there needs to be more research. And I'm going, I am not in politics. I'm also not a healthcare provider, but I know more about this topic. And the fact that we have the World Professional Association of Transgender Healthcare that has done a ton of research, the American Psychological Association, like all of these uh, uh, respected groups have come together to say, no, we have to provide this kind of care. But then we have these fringe groups that in some cases, in some cases have been called uh, radicalized groups who are trying to advocate against it based on junk science. Mm -hmm. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Well, that's, I mean, I, I know that I, the Utah Bell I wasn't familiar with, but we're dealing with a lot of this stuff in Arizona. We have a new superintendent that scrubbed all of the education stuff of anything that refers to anything around LGBTQ, which is is damning children to suicide is the way that I feel about that. And I know that might be an extreme statement, but no, it, it is, isn't. It is it, not at all. It, these bills are literally life threatening absolutely. on purpose and they know, like, right. don't get they it twisted. Know. We always right. talk the system is working exactly the way the system was created to work. So don't think that they didn't know as a result of this, that there well, will be people. It, it, yes. And I think that's one of the interesting points is exactly what you're saying, Eli, that they're saying, oh, we, we've done the research or we, we looked at this and we, we found out from these professionals or these doctors or whatever. And when you start pushing them on, well, what, you know, was it the American Medical Association? Was it, you know, the APA? Well, like, who was it? And it's like, oh, no, it's, you know, John Doe's XYZ PDQ science experiment. And you're like, that's not science. That's not how this works. And it is so, it's just unfortunate. Um, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to veer right slightly. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it means to be two-spirited? Well, you know, it's very interesting because there are, are literally hundreds of native tribes mm -hmm. and there are different meanings, obviously different languages, but different meanings for what two spirit is in different tribes. For example, 
My Menominee Nation sees anyone who is LGBTQIA2S+, anybody who falls in that initialism, as two-spirit. And so I am Menominee, and I claim being two-spirit for a variety of reasons, mainly from intuitively what I know about myself culturally. When I, the more that I've learned, and again, I've had to go out and get this knowledge because my mother wasn't taught it. Her mother wasn't taught it. Her mother before her wasn't taught it. You know, I interviewed relatives, my aunties and uncles, um, about our being Menominee and about our culture and traditions. And the interesting thing is, is it was stripped from us decades ago. Mm -hmm. And so as I started to learn some of these things and learn some of these uh, different ways of culturally and spiritual practices within my community, my Menominee Nation, I'm like, wow, I do this naturally. <laughs> like some of the things that I had been doing are things that I, I know came directly down through my DNA to me. I have always stood in opposition of oppression of any kind. And, you know, as a very young person, I watched this film uh, called Bless the Beast and the Children. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a bunch of well-meaning white boys who saved the buffalo, but, <laughs> but I still was very touched because I would have been one of those kids saying, you can't do this, right? The song makes me cry and the thought of it makes me cry, you know, but they saved the buffalo in this film, this particular film. But like, like I didn't know that how I saw that was really who I am as an indigenous person first. Then when with Two-Spirit, I was always afraid to, to honor and hold that name partially because I was like, I wasn't raised on the reservation, right? But all that is just a systemic uh, uh, outcome of forced assimilation and colonization anyway. They wanted us to believe that we couldn't be who we, we are or honor ourselves because somehow we were not, we didn't measure up to the standard, whatever that random wacky standard is i mean we have all these standards standards of beauty blah 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 um that really strip us of our our humanity so as i started learning more about my culture and tradition and started learning our language and and started realizing that wow you know what i am two spirit because i say i am mm. I, am I appreciate it because I acknowledge that there are things about me spiritually and culturally that I have always held true. Now, when I started learning more, more, a little deeper into the concept of two spirit, there's all, there's a variety of different ways in which people will explain it. But for me, my external expression of my gender is masculine. Now, I do like to throw a little color in there sometimes, pop color. <laughs> and so, like, I love my rainbow glasses. I bought these because I did a lot of, 
you know, we switched to doing virtual trainings uh, in the during the pandemic through Speaking of Happy because we offer a four and a half hour transgender experience training. And so I bought these glasses on purpose because we have this thing that these glasses only belong on on female faces. And then these glasses that look more like this, right? Now those belong on men's faces. Well, when I first came out as trans, I had these really cool silver frames, just like just the top was like a, a silver uh, metal frame with the open part on the bottom. But I got them from the men's side of the store, right? And it was like a 50-50 chance that I would be misgendered while wearing them. And this is when I first came out as trans. Now, granted, when I first came out as, out as trans, I didn't have a whole lot of facial hair. I hadn't started hormones, hadn't done all those things. And so I was just kind of like experimenting with what worked for me. And, and you know, medical transition wise and medical transition is changes that we make to our body, whether they're hormones or surgeries, so that we feel comfortable in our own skin. And I knew right when I came out as trans at the tender age of 50, that the girls, the twins had to go. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, this is checkpoint number one. Ironically, for a good three years prior to that, I was going through all of the big checkpoints you have to go through as a person who's born assigned female and identifies as such and living as such. The checkpoints you have to go to through to get a breast re breast reduction, right? So for me to get a breast reduction, I was going through all those checkpoints. And it just kind of collided with my coming out as trans, right? And so I go to the doctor because here's my final thing. I'm having my consultation and I'm thinking, okay, I just came out as trans. I'm going to tell them I want them gone, right? I was so excited. And I get there and I tell him and he says, well, well, I can't do that because if we're doing a reduction, I have to leave some breast tissue. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and he says, this is a completely different surgery. Now, I'm telling you all of this because these are the hoops that we have to jump through as trans folks. And I promise I'm going to finish answering the question about being oh, okay. two-spirit and how that yeah. relates to me. But all of this kind of goes with it. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so I he says that's a different kind of surgery. And he goes, um, and I can't do that surgery. And so I leave and I'm all upset. And I talk to my therapist. My therapist's like, where did you go? And she says, oh, they have a doctor there that actually specializes in gender affirming top surgery for trans men just schedule an appointment with that guy so i did and um and everything like from that point forward was fine but the other little checkpoint that didn't quite get checked is at the time my full-time job wasn't extending benefits to people like me so i had to pay 100 percent out of pocket to $7,500 surgery. So that came out of my own funds. And this was before the GoFundMes and all the other things that have happened where trans folks are actually having community support and, and doing TikToks and all these things to, to get their surgeries covered by people who are like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to help you. Mm -hmm. I want to pause. Yeah. 
a, a second. Yeah. It's really short. Yeah. Because a lot of the people who listen are HR professionals. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to that story and we've had other um, people from the trans community on, this is why you have to be specific when you're choosing your benefits. And so many times, just like you say, people just blow it off like, oh, well, you have full insurance. No, you have to look and it has to be explicit mm-hmm. because even though that doctor probably could have performed the surgery, it wasn't it, it, in a it, like technically we're reducing breast tissue, but that was not going to cover you for a mm-hmm. different type of surgery. Like you have to be explicit to yeah. make sure that everyone at your company is covered. Okay. That was the pause. Yeah. And I love that pause. And I will also add this caveat. A lot of, so I went back to my company, trust me, like in 2015, I was breaking new ground at Bellevue University. And I speak very openly about it. And I'm still employed there. I have gone through a lot. Trust me when I say we could do three shows on just the what not to do as an employer when the first person who is transgender, non-binary, or gender diverse shows up in your HR office, um, because I have all of the wrong. This is all of the wrong. Here are my recommendations for how to get it right. But anyway, um, when I was saying to them, like, hey, we have to add this coverage. Like, we have to, no, but it'll be too expensive. I call BS Mm -hmm. because it's pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. pennies on the dollar and so that's the other thing that i think a lot of companies need to understand like you extending benefits to a handful five percent of your staff if you have a large staff of people that's a lot of people but if you're uh, extending those benefits to them by offering that coverage it's pennies on the dollar that gets spread out to everyone else because guess what my whole life i have paid the premium to be able to birth children. And I've never had that. I've never done that. I've never, you know, oh, okay, that's a lie. I, at one point, I felt like I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and I was pursuing the thought of it, but I couldn't, I never really had a long term life partner. So I was like, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to do this alone. It's hard enough for me to care for myself. Like, But anyway, so all these years I've been paying for that benefit so that all the people who have that equipment in my in my uh, companies across all the companies that I've worked at, I have paid for my share of that through an insurance. So I think it's just like we got to understand and break those things down. Anyway, I'm going to pause. I'm going to push one more pin in here. Yeah, I think the other piece is that depending on the state, depending on the insurance carrier. There are specific things that if you are working at the broker, if you are if you are the benefits person, there are very specific questions to ask because they will sometimes say, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 we'll cover folks That's in the right. trans community. We have, you know, gender affirming. And then you start to dig in on what does that mean? Does that include this? Does that include that? Oh, well, no, 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 no. That's we just do hormones or we mm-hmm. just do, or the cap is twenty five hundred or whatever it might be. And you're like that's barely going to scratch the surface. And so I think that's the other piece. And to your point, 5% of your population might use the benefit. So it's also, you know, Jackie and I talk about recruiting a lot. It's also from a PR perspective, it's very positive to say you have these benefits available to folks when you are sourcing for more diverse people. 
even if they don't actually take advantage of it. Sorry. Yeah. And you know, and yeah. that is actually, it's beautiful that you say that. And again, it's also consult with someone like me. Mm -hmm. Let's yes. talk through the scenarios that could be possible. Because here's the other piece of it. Not every transgender person is going to want to have surgery. Mm -hmm. There are transgender folks who are like, nope, I don't want to do anything to my body. I am this because I say that I'm this and all of these parts are part of that and it shouldn't matter and it abs absolutely shouldn't, which is why I'm going back to, to me being two-spirit. That was stripped from me. Well, what a lot of people don't understand is that decades ago when the colonizers showed up and they met people like me, they deemed us as unholy and unhealthy and they dug pits threw people like me in them and allowed wild dogs to rip us to shreds. And that is not hyperboil, it's truth. And, but those stories have been passed down verbally and in writing for decades. And when I started doing this research and, and, and sitting with that knowledge, right, my people were forced to hide us to protect us mm -hmm. and then forgot that that's what we did because we weren't verbally passing this information down. Now, some elders knew, you know, I was interviewing an aunt. I told you I started interviewing some of my aunties and my uncles, and this was probably three, four years prior to my coming out as trans, maybe three years prior. Um, but I interviewed one of my aunts, my aunt Eva, who was hilarious by the way. Um, and, you know, just getting her story about growing up on the reservation and then life off of the reservation and what was that like for her. And then I added these bonus questions because I was the interviewer, right? And I said, what do you think of me? And, the, you know, some of my, my aunts and uncles were like, well, what do you mean by that question exactly? Okay, what do you think of me? Because I was the first family member to be openly someone who identified as LGBTQ+. Back when it wasn't cool, y'all, like I'm talking about mid-80s, mm -hmm. right? This was the whole like, tell your parents, and then your parents were like, just don't tell grandma, and don't tell your aunts and uncles, and oh, by the way, don't say anything to your cousins, and like, we'll just keep this, you know, don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, I said to my family, I was like, no sorry because my brother gets to bring his partner my sisters get to bring their partners nobody has to be the wiser about it there's no explanation as a matter of fact even at one point my mom even asked me why did you even have to tell me why couldn't you have just brought your significant other home and i'm like mom i mean come on <laughs> right you were raised catholic you raised me catholic mm -hmm. you cannot tell me that it was that easy to wipe that memory of what the Catholic Church taught you <laughs> from your database. Not possible. Uh -uh. So um, anyway, so so for me, I'm talking to my Aunt Eva and I ask her what she thinks of me and she didn't ask any follow-up questions. She just said, I think you ought to go on and be a man already. And I was like, say what? <laughs> I'm like, I looked at my cousin who was with me. I was like, did you hear what you... And I said to her, and this is recorded, I said to her, I said, you know, Annie, if I don't know about if I need to be a man or anything, but I could be, I would be happier without, you know, I just would really be happier in my life without this. They, they don't feel like they fit. 
How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. And what's so interesting is, is that when I got my top surgery in December, December 21st, 2015, I was on the fast track as I came out uh, to myself in April of that year told my partner in May of that year, told other family members in May of that year, got on hormones in August, top surgery in December, like chop, chop, you know? I was like, well, chop, chop, <laughs> I guess pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the fast track. But the interesting thing is, is it wasn't until after I got my top surgery that I was like, wow now i know what dysphoria really is it was that it was how i have felt for the first 50 years of my life do you realize that i have had zero regrets since december 21st of 2015 about that surgery not one regret i wake up happy i look at myself in the mirror and i'm happy i feel comfortable and like i am in my body the first time I truly felt like I was ever in my body was when I woke up from that surgery. And from that day forward, I could be me. And so, you know, for me, being two-spirit is also being gifted and being able to share my story, to facilitate these trainings. Like I would have been considered a medicine person for the work that I do and a storyteller and all of these positions within my Menominee community and other native communities were all positions that were held in high regard. We were the leaders. We were the visionaries, medicine people, the storytellers. Mm -hmm. We were the keepers of our stories. And I tell family members now and anybody who will listen, you know, we are now at this point of what I call this great awakening. And I have been talking about this now for a number of years. And then I listened to a, a book and I think it was Decolonizing Two-Spirit or something. There was a book that I listened to on audiobook and they were talking about this great awakening, that it was coming and that many Native communities had been predicting it that it would be coming. And, it, and they talk about it as a seventh generation, right? That in your seventh generation, so from my great, great, great grandparents down to me, I might be within that seventh generation of indigenous people who's now living in this great awakening. And I'm part of that. I'm part of that awakening. Intrinsically, I feel I am equally masculine and feminine. I can uh, I can kind of see through some of the bull, right? I, I am uh, not a fan of toxic anything. Like the minute something becomes toxic, I'm going to call you out on it. And 
And I usually try to do it in a way that leaves you feeling honored and dignified because that's what I want other people to do with me. Um, I've tried, I've been advocating with, within our local legislature here in Nebraska. Um, there are some bills that we're facing here in Nebraska. The gender affirming care ban um, is happening. They're trying to push uh, affirming gender affirming care as well as punish health providers. There is the, uh, let's see here. Oh, Medical Ethics and Diversity Act they're trying to push through would allow medical professionals to discriminate for any ethical, moral, or religious reason. So basically, they could deny me care if they believed it was a morally against them or religiously against who they are as a person because somehow I'm not real. And um, so much for the Hippocratic Oath. Exactly. I mean, that just throws that right out the window. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't. And I mean, it, any doctor worth their salt, any medical practitioner, healthcare practitioner worth their salt will tell you I gave an oath. Yeah. I gave an oath to do no harm. And it's so wild because before I even knew about that oath, like I, that was, that's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. It's ingrained in every fiber of my being. Like if I am wishing harm upon you, then I am just as bad as the person who would wish harm upon me. Mm -hmm. I'm no different at that point. And it's a very, you know, it's an interesting conversation to navigate. I mean, I talk all the time. I've started sharing on my Facebook page when I first came out as trans about the irony of the uh, gendered bathrooms. I'm like, we don't have gendered bathrooms in our home. Why do we have them outside of our home? And then I would have, you know, lesbian friends say things to me like, look, I don't have men going to the bathroom at my house. I don't want to have to deal with their, their messes going out of the house. And I'm like, girlfriend, you go to the bathroom with other women and they are not clean. Yeah. Like <laughs> there are some <laughs> bloody murder scenes that have taken place in some of the bathrooms that I have been in prior to my transition. Yeah. Now, I will admit, men are pretty gross too. <laughs> and I've gone into some bathrooms now where I'm like, oh, geez. Like, there are certain places where I will not go to the bathroom. I'll wait until I get home so that I don't have to deal with someone else's, you know, disregard. Like, that's the part that I think is really kind of important. And it's, it's, it expands beyond the whole bathroom debate. It's like, I have been trying to defend, literally defend my humanity since 2015. And I just find it ridiculous. I have told people, I'm like, look, if somebody came up to you and told you that you could not believe in the religion, excuse me, the religion that you believe in, or that you couldn't read the Bible on your break at work, and they wanted to pass legislation to prevent you from reading that Bible anywhere but your home. I'd be standing right there shoulder to shoulder with you mm -hmm. and saying, this is not okay. And I don't understand where the breakdown is there for, for folks who, are, who would stand in line and say that I don't deserve to have health care or to be treated with dignity and respect out in the world. I, just, I feel like so many 
like it's me and me being naive, right? Growing up, understanding, and from my perspective, thinking of how we looked at civil rights and looking at these things, and it was terrifying as a child. Like it was perpetuating trauma every year when you get to that section. And always thought, well, I'm glad we don't have to go back there mm -hmm. when we're literally going back there. And so I hope that people are paying attention to recognize how important it is to vote like these things that come up. I mean, and, and it, like you're saying, as we share these stories, when you get real with people, there's people that was who don't believe you when you're like, no, this is a law. Like you can legally do this. Like that's this this United States that we live in. And how we look at, at this, I feel like I never thought that we would be going so backwards. And yet we're making strides in some directions, at least with the knowledge. But what's scary is as we gain more knowledge, there the more we're going to have to fight for those rights. Mm -hmm. And that's what people have to, to recognize. And getting tired is just not an option. It's <laughs> just not an option. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and here's the other piece of it, though, for folks like us, right, black, brown, indigenous people, multi-marginalized people, transgender, non-binary, gender diverse, LGBTQIA2S plus people, Jewish people, Asian people, like we cannot afford to not pay attention. That's right. Our lives literally depend on us having this knowledge and being aware and being awake and i mean if we're not these things get passed they get expedited through like whenever we have the gop and the leadership it's like like what happened in utah literally 10 days from introduction to the governor signing it into law 10 days 10. and i and this is the piece of why they want to stop critical race theory um updated uh education around uh sexuality and sexual orientation and all those things that within schools mm -hmm. like the folks that oppose it want to oppose it so badly because they know that by doing so they can continue to have the privileges that they have and they don't have to fight for them because they're just handed to them on a silver platter at that point there is um so there was a guy uh let's see here so there's a group on instagram called decolonize myself and there was a video that they posted recently where it, it, it was so poignant what this particular person i'm gonna i'll find the link to the actual post okay. and i'll send it over in the comments to you if you want to share it with folks Absolutely. but this person shares so powerfully about why we are the way we are why we have been led down this path and it really ties together so profoundly you know like our founders they did this on purpose they want yes. to do the work that they don't want to do the working in the walmarts and the mcdonald's and some of these places and and it's just sad because it's just like we are so brilliant i i actually here in nebraska and finishing up a project 
than I did for the ACLU of Nebraska. And I interviewed some local transgender folks, Nebraskans, for this project. And I talked to them, not about all of the ways in which we're vilified. I talked to them about what's important to them, where they find joy. Where do they have their creative outlets? Where do they see themselves in three to five years from now? They're some of the most brilliant, talented people that I have ever met. And I'm just so disheartened by the fact that every year I have to worry about losing another trans friend to either murder or suicide. And it just breaks my heart. And I will continue to advocate and with my last breath to save lives, literally. So anybody who wants to reach out to me, you yes. can find me <laughs> at speakingofhappy.com. Uh, literally, speakingofhappy.com. If you go to my about page, literally slash about, um, you can read up on some of the things that, that uh, I have done, some of the trainings that we have done, myself and my uh, BFF, Avalisa. And we also host a couple of different live stream shows that we do. One's called Speaking of Happy. The other one's called Frankly Speaking. You can watch old episodes of the show on our YouTube channel. Again, Speaking of Happy, just search that in the YouTube bar and you'll search bar and you'll find us. Um, but Frankly Speaking is frank conversations with other transgender, non-binary, two-spirit, and gender-diverse folks about what we have to face in the world. And then also about the amazing things that we're, uh, that we're doing and the amazing strides that we're having within our own communities. You know, I have had so many people since my coming out in 2015, I couldn't even count now, the number of parents who have reached out to me for help because their kiddo has come out to them. And it's such an honor to know that I can provide that kind of support for them so that their kids can live and thrive. I'm, I'm so I'm so glad that you said that. And there there's I was gonna ask, and I know Katie's gonna say that Jackie's not looking at the clock, but I but I still I know you're gonna say that. I feel you. I hear I heard you. But I wanted to ask a question <laughs> because last year or the year before I started. Okay, wait, at, time out. Before you uh, ask this question, yeah. I'm going to pause the recording and then we're going to start recording episode two. So, folks, stand okay. by. Um, you're going to hear uh, more in just a moment. Katie's so bald. might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth and together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, 
flavor and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 